it's thursday april 14th welcome to a new episode of bazaar i'm your host sid and i know that it's been a while it's been close to 3 months since we did our last episode and that is on on me because i've been really busy with some stuff but you know we are going to be doing a lot more episodes on bazaar and i really wanted to kick start this new journey of bazaar with something spectacular like something that you know people don't know about and to talk about this very niche topic with me today is sachin satyarajan who is an international lawyer and public policy specialist with experience in the fields of intellectual property global health and biodiversity conservation these you know these are big names that i'm just throwing out there but this guy is the real deal he was a legal expert for the united nations the united nations and specifically their environmental program in nairobi and you know he's the right person to talk to about what we have in store today so you know sachin it's a pleasure to have you on the show and uh, why don't you introduce yourself you know tell me uh, tell the listeners something about yourself your journey what what are you up to these days hey so thanks for having me on your podcast so it's quite a coincidence that i got acquainted with you and um, and i saw what all kind of interesting things you're doing with your podcast on emerging technologies etc so really happy to be here <laughs> uh, and you know that was a very generous introduction so i don't know if i want to add much to that but yes as you said i i am an international law specialist i work on uh, intellectual property technology governance global health etc for the last 6 years i have been working with various un organizations in geneva and nairobi some international think tanks and with the government of india on the side i have also been like teaching law and public policy courses at some universities in india and the uk mm-hmm. with this special episode on synthetic biology i will like to point out that i have been working on this issue for quite a while now uh so as you mentioned i'm currently with the un environment uh, program uh, in nairobi where i've been preparing some reports on the impact of synthetic biology and some other emerging technologies on environmental governance and uh, before this uh, in 2020 i had the privilege to work with the indian government the department of mm. biotechnology to draft a foresight paper on synthetic biology to see what this technology is going to do for india uh, what is the legal landscape what is the regulatory landscape in india with respect to some of the challenges that are being posed by synthetic biology so yeah, yeah that's my introduction <laughs> I, i i think that this is one of the most exciting fields to be in right now because when you reached out to me right and you told me that that you wanted to do something on synthetic biology i was just scratching my head i was thinking dude what exactly is this and then when i started reading about it it felt just tech of the future right like i mean we've watched movies where stuff like this happens and you are working in a field that is slowly you know turning fiction into non fiction so what we are going to talk about today is something really futuristic like sachin mentioned you know we are going to talk about synthetic biology don't worry you know we'll explain this in the most easy way possible i know that a lot of listeners are thinking you know what exactly is this but you know this is one of the most emerging technologies out there where huge progress is being made and you know as an investor i think 
no we should all be aware of the new innovations that are happening out there like i mean we missed the train with bitcoin we missed the train with uh, cryptocurrency and i think synthetic biology is the next big thing i mean it's already i think massive work is already being done india is still untapped so you know we want to cover that in this episode we'll talk about the recent breakthroughs and innovations the policy developments that are happening in india in this field and that are required basically in india you know what needs to happen to propel india in this race to become a synthetic biology superpower i don't know if india will ever get there but you know we can at least talk about it and you know talk about a lot of other things but uh, sachin you know first i really want to understand what this entire concept is and this is way out of my league you know i have no idea what synthetic biology means so you know in layman terms in the best way possible how would you how would you describe synthetic biology okay i think that is uh, the most important question here right what is synthetic biology and how it is different from uh, let's say a traditional understanding of biotechnology is mm. so uh, we've heard all these fourth industrial revolution technologies coming in so you have, you have artificial intelligence you have machine learning the internet of things etc but the major successes in the current scenario is in biology and there's a major revolution happening i think mm-hmm. as you all know harari puts it in his book homo deus um biology is where the most exciting innovations are happening and and this is partly because there's a convergence of different technologies mm-hmm. um, so like the cells uh, the living cells have you know they they are like mini computers they have been processing information and and they are self replicating nature also so synthetic biology basically combines the advances in biotechnology but also draws in some of those experiences in information technology genomics bioinformatics biochemical engineering etc there are like a few important differences between uh, synthetic biology and traditional biotechnology one is that till now we were always talking about what we understood with biotechnology was manipulating existing organisms right mm. so we had some instances of cloning we had some instances of changing the genomic structure of plants etc but what synthetic biology does is it goes a step further where the aim is to create new life and design new life from scratch new life new life like this means like we'll see organisms which are not existing in nature so far this will be like a man made creation of life yes something which is wow. just engineered by the computer so um if if i can just go back to some news that happened 10 years ago in 2010 the craig venter institute in the united states announced to the world that they had created the world's first self replicating synthetic bacterial cell which means that yeah. the entire biological makeup of that bacterial cell was created with a computer wow man <laughs> dude that is that is powerful so i mean you are creating life through a computer like that's a mix of engineering and biology and some other things that i don't know but that sounds very powerful yeah and uh, i think there has been so many developments after that i guess this was probably the first breakthrough 
and in 2014 i think there was uh, scientists were able to synthesize fully functional designer eukaryotic organism right it was a modified yeast chromosome so a bacteria is a single cell Mm. Uh, in 2014 they went to uh, eukaryotic organisms like a like a yeast uh, chromosome so gradually there has been lot of advancement and this is because of some of the latest technologies which are coming together and uh, one uh, technology you might all have heard of it is the crispr um, yeah. technology um, there was uh, the nobel prize also had gone for the scientists which worked on the crispr so initially as you mentioned it was like something like bioengineering in the mm-hmm. 1980s you know what the scientists referred to synthetic biology was something like bioengineering but in the recent years there has been a, a lot more clarity because you have the crispr tool which is um, essentially helpful in altering dna within cells so it has made it very easy to precisely alter dna which is found inside cells this has made genome editing you know and um, those related uh, aspects of synthetic biology very easy it's just been easy to modify information which is found in cells so that is number 1 and number 2 is what we refer to as next generation sequencing technologies or the ngs technologies which is used to decipher the genomic code of an organism very easily so it took like if i want to go back in time it mm. took something like 20 years for scientists to decipher the entire gene makeup of human beings if there was something called the human genome project and that was sometime in 2000 right but okay. now with the kind of technology we have it, we are able to completely decode the genetic information in eukaryote eukaryote is as like a plant or an animal with a fraction of that cost and much much faster this these two technologies has been particularly influential in creating prospects for synthetic biology the crispr which is the technology used to cut and splice dna Mm. and second is the dna sequencing technologies which which is able to decipher the entire genetic makeup of an organism and you add design software packages dna design software packages and computing tools with it <laughs> you uh, that is very heavy stuff man like that whatever you just mentioned here is <laughs> is very heavy stuff so but i'm just you know getting a theme here that dna in particular has a lot to do with synthetic biology so i'm just going to touch on that and see i am not from a engineering or a biology background so i don't even know what dna is like i've heard the i know that dna is something but how is dna relevant in in synthetic biology like how does all of this like you know gene editing dna sequencing dna printing on silicon chips and stuff like that help the progress in synthetic biology how is it connected yeah so um, so like said as you mentioned i am also not from a technical background so for me mm. also the learning curve with the time of lawyer <laughs> by training uh, but uh, dna as you said is the most important informational tool in biology uh, dna contains all the information 
which creates all the characteristics that we see in an organism like uh how tall a person is how their voice is what diseases they'll get you know all that is embedded all that information is embedded in the dna which is found in each of those cells in a organism right so it contains massive amount of information so till now human beings were not able to access this information you know uh, because because this, mm. this is written in codes so like just like you have ones and zeros in computing this is uh, codes with acgt and different combinations of it which creates the genetic makeup and and what is interesting is that um the dna of human beings are not much different from that of a banana there's just very slight difference <laughs> but that information creates a huge you know <laughs> the end products are completely different even though mm. the information slightly changes so there's a wealth of information in there so that is why dna is so powerful and as opposed to computers or computing technology what is really unique in biology is that the cells can multiply they can self replicate right so you create one of those mini computers and it can create multiple uh, self replicating models of it and mm. that's where integration of whatever if i can put it like this whatever god has created in terms of biological systems and you can add that human little bit of tinkering to it then it's a very powerful tool right so if i can just break down what i said earlier uh, dna sequencing is basically the ability to understand the entire dna makeup of an organism like mm. all the information that is stored in the dna of an organism and the second tool which is a crispr technology is the ability to sort of tinker with it wow so ability to alter it comes through the crispr technology and the third so, is the software mm. packages the computing tools which help you which help even an amateur to sort of start working with the dna in this case so let me get this right what you are saying is that let's take the example of a human being a human being a newborn baby is born with a particular set of dna which decides his height his weight his maybe you know some inherited diseases and stuff like that that is in his dna like yes. that is what was originally in his dna but yes. what you're telling me now is that we have developed technologies where we can basically gather all that information but we can gather you know what exactly is his genetic makeup and then there is a tool out there called crispr and some other technologies as well where you can edit that gene or edit that dna so maybe you can remove that disease right when that human being is born right there and there and you can also tinker with it like i mean you can create if i'm not wrong I, i don't know if i'm speaking out of my league here but you can create super childs or super kids or i don't know super human beings from this is is that possible as well yeah seems like it um since you mentioned uh, these super ch- children there is something that i can refer you guys to that is there is this documentary called designer dna on netflix which talks about the possibilities of designer babies happening and in china <laughs> there has already been an instance where a yeah. scientist was working on it and which created a global alarm on that 
right? I think human beings, I think our nature is that the moment it is about some plants or animals, we are fine. We feel we are in control. <laughs> But as soon yeah. as it hits home, like when when it becomes human DNA, which is being tinkered with, then you know we all get so alarmed by it. Yeah, that's like you know end of the world situations come into play. Yeah, so, yeah. So it's it's a great as much as it's a great material for sci-fi novelists. and this has been the case for a long time you know i don't know if you've heard of the frankenstein story yeah. where, you know so this this has already been there but what really has happened with synthetic biology and the current biorevolution is that there's an increasing role of amateur innovators and mm. it this is slowly moving slowly sort of democratizing and slowly moving from these specialists to like the common man especially because these tools were extremely expensive all this was a monopoly of like a well funded company or an like a laboratory in an educational institution right but mm-hmm. now what is a lot of the work that is happening is in the diy biohacker spaces like a do it yourself biohacker spaces and and a lot of that has opened up in the us for instance where mm. amateur students hobby designers are all coming together and creating new organisms from scratch so it's crazy because it's slowly entering the mainstream is what you're telling me like people are finding out that there are other use cases of this technology not only like human beings but also varied industries where this entire dna sequencing could be used and i think it is slowly getting mainstream is that what you're saying the democratization of it is what i was referring mm. to right so because earlier maybe if you wanted to be like a vocal artist 100 years ago you might need the backing of a recording studio or a production house right or if mm. you wanted to create a movie but now with youtube and the kind of technologies we are available there are a lot of amateur artists and amateur filmmakers etc right so similar mm. something is happening in biotechnology if i can give you the one example is the igem competition and this is a brilliant example where complete amateurs are thriving on this revolution right mm-hmm. so these are in some of these igem competitions it's high school students who are coming together and creating new organisms that do not exist in this world it's crazy wow how are they doing this like <laughs> damn <laughs> yes so this is how accessible it has become because as long as you have access to these tools right where you can access the databases of dna and you have access to computing technologies that help you sort of alter it and redesign it there's a lot of potential and that's where mm-hmm. it becomes very interesting and you just need and, and a lot of high school students from all over the world participate in this competition and i was going through some of their website and what they do so like one example i saw was some of these school students designed a bacteria which starts glowing when the food is contaminated so this was a way to understand food contamination mm. right so simple stuff but this stuff doesn't exist in nature right the students yeah. are designing this it's like if i can sort of say this it's like you can play god <laughs> i was i was just going to say this like everyone can be a mini version of god if they know how to access that dna data and if they can somehow i don't know like this requires some intense training i'm sure but i mean everyone who is in synthetic biology i mean they can be mini gods if if that's right to say 
Yeah, uh, and it doesn't seem that hard, no? Because if high school students can uh, work this out, I'm sure Sid, you can work it out too, right? So <laughs> it's just about access to these biohacker spaces. Um, mm. So, like a couple of examples that I can think of is uh, there is a hacker space called BioCurious in the Bay Area in the US, where interested amateurs can learn these technologies and use their space to create new products or organisms, right? And uh, there's something called Gen Space, which was opened in New York in 2010, which keeps organizing classes and events for people who are curious about the technology, right? Mm. And another thing you can see is there are a lot of community-funded projects, etc., on synthetic biology applications, where there's a lot of funding going in, and these projects basically promises to come up with solutions for the most pressing problems that humanity faces. understood understood so i understand that you know access to this data and if you know how to basically i don't know work around this tech i mean use this tech harness this technology then you can create new organisms that did not exist and that brings me to my next question actually so like you're telling me that high school students are creating something new stuff out there so i'm sure that you know the companies like obviously everything boils down to business right so i'm sure that companies would be looking and they'll be like you know we can use this tech to disrupt a lot of traditional industries so can you give me a few examples like you know what are the recent innovations or breakthroughs in this field and you know what are some industries where we are seeing synthetic biology slowly taking shape and you know disrupting uh, industries in short so can you can you tell me something about that yeah so i think few of those industries we can think of are one is pharmaceuticals and health that's a no brainer <laughs> uh second is climate change mm. third is fashion textiles fourth is cosmetics and well being fifth is food security so these are the main sectors in which there has been a lot of research happening synthetic biology has been hyped to solve most of humanity's issues so whether it's health whether it's climate change whether it's cosmetic enhancement whether it's food security you know in all these sectors all the answers you know synthetic biology is promising all the answers here what is interesting is that a lot of things which we traditionally understand happens in a factory Hmm. has moved into another kind of factory which is cells <laughs> so a lot of wow. these factory processes where like dyes are created and food is being made and you know like everything we have you know when we think about a factory we think of you know uh, a group of human beings and some machine hmm. and some machinery uh, in a large steel factory establishment you replace that and now the factories we are talking about are basically sugar tanks with single cell bacteria or you know slightly multicellular yeast in it and they are all fermenting mm. using that sugar and creating all these products so these are these new biofactories are actually sugar tanks with fermenting yeast so synthetic biology really questions our understanding of what a factory looks like also right so 
on that note i am going to start with some of those examples which i think will be very interesting for the audience today let's start with health the human health is probably the biggest uh, issue that we are concerned about so one example that i can think of is the twist bioscience so during the pandemic we saw that there was a lot of pressure on the scientific community to come up with solutions to address the pandemic right mm. and this is where some of those most pressing examples can be seen so one is understanding the sequence the genetic makeup of covid-19 so this novel coronavirus was not something that we had in nature in fact a lot of people thought that this <laughs> could be something which is leaked from a laboratory there were conspiracy theories and stuff right mm. so this is not something we saw in nature we did not know what this is it's interesting i think the first cases came in november 2009 2019 and by january 2020 the chinese scientists had already completely deciphered the genome sequence of the covid-19 and soon after that whenever other countries had all sort of jumped in and they were all sequencing they were understanding the mutations of the virus and how it is changing and when the latest variant of the virus had been reported in south africa it was a south african scientist which deciphered it right so this is one aspect of gene sequencing to understand the genetic makeup of let's say in this case a virus and which was done in like a crazy speed second is um companies like twist bioscience which have the ability to take this information and they were printing uh, the covid-19 virus so that researchers have access to it because the people who are working on creating vaccines or therapeutics to address mm-hmm. the pandemic was using this printed dna which was ma- mailed from twist bioscience to work <laughs> on right wow. this is an interesting a- application of the tools when it comes to health sector um one really wacky idea that i always find interesting in the health space is gene drives so humanity has always been struggling with diseases like malaria for instance mm. right yeah. you have these cures but you know it doesn't work whatever so now gene drive what, how does it work is that using synthetic biology you can create these mosquitoes which will mate with the malarial disease carrying female mosquitoes and they'll kill the females off so this is like a gene drive you engineer a species to sort of mate with existing members of that species and kill them off i'm just thinking the way that this could be expanded to other things and my mind is taking me to some negative examples but i'll not talk about that right now so please yeah. get it <laughs> yeah, i don't know if you saw there's an as daily video on um Uh, people in singapore releasing these mosquitoes right and this is for the gene drive wow so this way you can sort of exterminate this is also like playing god where you can exterminate mm-hmm. some species which the humans do not want which can have uh, implications for let's say health and you can just wipe that off so mosquito mm. gene drives and its biohazards are being studied extensively because it is being touted as a healthcare measure Another example is that of drugs like artemisinin which is used to treat again malaria. So artemisinin used to come from this medicinal plant which is called sweet wormwood and it is grown in several countries in Asia and Africa. And I think almost 80% used to come from China for instance. Um but there is a huge supply demand gap 
because it's coming because it's 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 a very intensive crop and you know you need there's a lot of issues when it comes to like commercial supply of the artemisinin so um, there was a gap between the supply and demand right so here now what has happened with synthetic biology is that they i think a california based company has scaled up the commercial production of synthetic artemisinin and mm. is now you can just use some of the uh, the yeast to basically ferment and create artemisinin in a bio laboratory or a bio factory so we are not affected by the uh, availability uh, of the crop per se like yeah. you can you can create the ingredients of that medicine in a bio factory and then you can you can create medicine based on the properties of that crop like correct me if i'm wrong here but what what they're doing is they're pulling the dna of that crop and then doing it, it is not even so obviously the dna is an integral aspect of this but hmm. maybe you do not even need all the characteristics of the plant maybe it is one particular molecule which hmm. is um, you know which is having this effect So I mean, in that case, sorry, I'm interrupting you. You can just study the molecular structure of these herbs or medicinal plants, and then just take that stuff out, and then create medicines. Like you won't need ingredients anymore. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like bioprospecting is what it is called. Mm. So a lot of what we understand as modern drugs, we see it in fancy colors and like little as little mm-hmm. in plastic. But most of this have a bio uh, biological origin. A lot of this comes from plants. In Ayurveda, for instance, like we know exactly which plant and you know what comes out of it, etc. But in a lot of cases of bio prospecting, if you know the famous example of turmeric and neem which was trying to be you know there were issues of being mm. in the us so what basically they saw is that they saw turmeric has a certain effect on let's say a disease like cancer then they see which chem which molecule what what is the most significant molecule in that and they created it in a lab and they can apply for a patent and you know sell it and that has always <laughs> been the whole biotechnology industry mm. uh, so this is always been there but right now what happens with artemisinin and some other examples i'll discuss uh, later with respect to food is that you do not even need the plant once you understand what is the acting agent you can straight away use synthetic biology tools to create these variants understood like you're creating life from scratch that is what it is i mean you don't if once you figured out how you can do that then you don't really need the actual plant or actual whatever the traditional way they were doing yeah you just need to figure out maybe i'm not saying this correctly but once you've done that then you don't need the actual ingredients that were typically being used and you can create it with these synthetic biological tools exactly and you know uh, it's important to say that even with this example of artemisinin the supply was never enough because mm. looking at the global malaria the market for the global malaria drugs and the kind of cultivation that is required with sweet wormwood which is very difficult apparently there there was always a mismatch and it would have never caught up to the global demand right so this and is solving a huge health issue mm. understood uh, and now you don't need the supply anymore so no, yeah. exactly understood. another sector which i think is of 
huge uh, influence is climate change. And one way in which synthetic biology addresses carbon emissions is through creating biofuels. And, you know, there are so many experiments happening around so many different kinds of crops, uh, including wheat, maize, etc. Uh, synthetic genetics is an example where mm. they are engineering algae as biofactories for renewable fuels, right? And there is another company, Global Bioenergies, which is converting plant waste into petrochemical precursors, right? So biofuels is a, an area where there's huge research happening in the synthetic biology space. Second example, which I think is one of the flagship examples of synthetic biology is the Glowing Plants project, mm. which addresses urban lighting. So glowing plants, it's it's very interesting. So they basically have taken the bioluminescence property from the marine marine fish or some marine organism, actually. So they took it from um, the bioluminescence property, which where it glows in the dark. Mm. And they take it and they put it into plants. <laughs> and these plants start emitting light. And this is <laughs> I think it was a Kickstarter project. It was on Kickstarter website started off as that where they were raising funding for the project i also came across a french artist whose one of his works was a glowing rabbit so basically he wow. took that bioluminescence property and they put it in a rabbit so his glowing bunny was one of his art exhibits so mm. uh, this is also supposed to uh, address the issue of urban lighting where plants can you know self replicating plants can just emit light using uh, the DNA alteration instead of relying on carbon fuels. And you can do that to humans too then. Like, I mean, humans <laughs> can also glow. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can do anything. In fact, I think designer DNA talks about the ability to change eye color, the ability to change height. I think intelligence and, you know, cognitive functions and all might be a little difficult because mm. there might be multiple multiple places in the DNA which contributes to those characteristics but it's possible yes understood so you have spoken about some really interesting use cases and some really interesting industries I want to just quickly talk yeah. about food and uh, fa uh, fashion also mm -hmm. um, one thing about food which I find again another very interesting example is that of synthetic vanilla synthetic saffron so if you know saffron and all is probably the most priciest crop mm. in the world right like a little bit of saffron costs a lot and to actually get that is a lot of work and labor right um, same with vanilla i think less than one percent of global vanilla is actually coming from the vanilla pod so there is a petrochemical variant of it and now there is a synthetic variant of it i think evolver has created evolver is a company which has created uh, synthetic saffron and synthetic vanilla so what is interesting about this particular experiment is that at one point because this is going to be so cheap the synthetic variants are going to be so cheap it is going to completely disrupt the market for these existing spices so traditional communities whose main occupation is to harvest and sell these food commodities will be totally thrown out of the market because you will have synthetic variants which are number one natural in mm. a sense and number two can produce quantities at a much more affordable price tag so and you're saying that the next time that like maybe 10 years down the line, when I visit my local Kirana store, they will be selling me synthetic vanilla. 
so synthetic vanilla is already on the shelves that's what i'm saying oh. so less than 1% of global vanilla is actually coming from a vanilla fold so most of it is coming either from petrochemicals or the synthetic variants okay yeah. all right the <laughs> <laughs> uh, so same with meat and things like that i think synthetic meat is going to be huge uh, there is a lot of youtube videos ted talks on synthetic meat right so you you don't need the entire organism you just need to take some cells of it and you can replicate uh, synthetic meat aqua mm. bounty is a company which is working on sustainable salmon air protein is using uh, microbial processes from air to create sustainable protein right so a lot of these examples are happening on the side understood so the general gist of what you just mentioned here is that synthetic biology is going to disrupt a lot of traditional industries in the next it is already doing it i mean it's not going to it is already disrupting several industries out there one of the biggest ones is pharmaceuticals because i think the use cases in pharma is tremendous but apart from pharma we are also seeing use cases in food tech agri tech synthetic meats glowing trees so it's like basically yeah. whatever you want to do you can do and i think the sky is the limit basically here so and you know maybe maybe just because we are talking about such uh, massive changes of dramatic proportions i want to talk about you know how this technology you know synthetic biology what what do you think are going to be some of its benefits and also some of its cons so let's let's first talk about you know what are some benefits that you feel that the human species is going to derive from this technology mm-hmm. um i think this is where i i feel my work on creating the synthetic biology policy for india was just absolutely the most satisfying work i've done so far because mm. you see this amazing technology and its potential and also its risks and you you know at, at a young age you get to like for a country as big as india you have the potential to work on like a policy paper which addresses some of our um, future governance mechanisms so i think it is mm-hmm. a huge opportunity and um, i think the benefits as you can see some of these examples already discussed there is so much which is being um, researched upon the the pace of the technology is just tremendous as we are talking there are multiple databases being updated with genetic information on species uh, there is also research projects on marine organisms which nobody has ever seen so far you see a lot of marine information uh, genetic information which has been locked away into the depths of these oceans now scientists are also getting there <laughs> figure out what is available there a lot of information is being added to databases a lot of these research projects are happening there's a tremendous amount of information happening and 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 you know we we all all of us humans are quite greedy and quite selfish <laughs> and you put such a powerful tool in our hands where you know who is the creator and who is being created is blurring yeah what is natural and artificial like with the case of vanilla you see what is natural and artificial is sort of blurring what is naturally evolved and what is designed is blurring right so a lot of those traditional understandings of how living organisms are and how life is is changing right and 
there's a lot of power which is being given to people who understand this technology um this is where i think there is going to be tremendous implications for who owns the information right uh, this is where a lot of debate has to happen because there will be private companies which will be able to decipher some of this information some of them are governmental projects and this is biological information of the world so i mean logically everybody should have ownership on this like because these mm. databases should be accessible to everyone right it should not go into proprietary models where only a few will benefit out of it but uh, capitalism uh, yeah, capitalism yeah yeah you you can't help it right i mean the ideal way is something but then when, once you talk about money once you talk about business then things start to get a bit skewed and the ones who are powerful they start to i'm not saying that that's how it's going to happen but i mean we have seen like if history is to be referred to then control resides in the hands of the few exactly right so yeah. there's this whole data mania happening now right when it comes to everything like you know mm. whether it is our personal information whether it's our health information so even our genetic information is not separate from this data mania which is happening and the control over this data is going to be huge and and that is why you have a lot of examples like there is something called the biobricks community in the us uh, run by mit which sees to it that a lot of these building blocks of synthetic biology is available for free for mm. everyone to use so proprietary models mean there'll be a lot of exclusive set of rights over the information this is called as open source like open mm. source information which is handled by biobricks community and some other examples they basically see to it that like these this information is open for everyone for the students to study for scientists to work on etc and and again you know we say industry but when we say industry it is very important to point out that countries like india and a lot of the developing world do not have access to these technologies most of the technologies are only available to a few companies in the western world and they are dominating the space yeah and once this information comes in once you have these dna uh, in these databases which might be free in a lot of cases but whatever invention will happen out of it will not be free so this is the second biggest question the first one was who is going to own the information on all these genetic information and who will have access to it the second is what happens with all these new living organisms and you know these living cells which is coming out of these synthetic biology tools can there be patents and private ownership of living organisms and that will yeah. be the second biggest question i think like that is also there and then what happens because you are saying that some of this information is available publicly so anyone who knows how to access the data and to create new life new organisms they can create anything so i mean the third question i think one of the most important ones is what happens if someone creates something which is adverse to the human species right i mean terrorists for example if this technology gets in the hands of hypothetically the taliban <laughs> they could create anything and i mean the entire human species could be at at risk yeah so i think bioterrorism has always been a huge risk 
even with covid 19 there was a lot of conspiracy theories around it and and that's the thing no traditional warfare was so complicated you have to tanks and missiles and rockets and all that and here nobody will even suspect you know you can just release a highly <laughs> self replicating novel kind of virus which mm. can infest human beings and it will spread like anything you see the way it happened with covid right you can infest the whole world with a new virus hypothetically covid 19 could be a synthetic biological virus it could be you you will land me into tobruki's and we're not saying that we're not saying that it could be it could be we're not saying that it is because you know it, this is not a political podcast this is a this is a business podcast so i'm not telling you to say that you know that is how it is but there could be a probability that covid 19 is a is a synthetic biological virus as a lawyer my answer <laughs> will, be, will be that there are conspiracy theories which have said about this yeah 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 and i did read a few you dodged the bullet you dodged the bullet. <laughs> but we would edit that out don't worry about it i mean we we could always edit that well, out this is uh, this is a fun banter say that we'll just make it fun yeah but uh, <laughs> i i i think like the pros and cons are there and it is basically how we use it right i mean with every piece of technology even the internet we we can see the pros and cons but it's how the human species as a whole uses this technology that is given to us is what will basically decide uh, that's what who gets to control it first of all all this information who will own it have hmm. access to it if only the citizens of us will have access to it then there's a problem because with this information it is not just us species which is being mapped all over the world is being mapped everything even the oceans which are like common you know it is like a common heritage of the mankind that's what these oceans are called which is beyond the territories of each country but even there private companies are going right the this is mm. a venter uh, the scientist venter his uh, they, he had a mission trying to sequence all the marine species and they take all that information they put it on these databases and who will have access to it and that will make a huge difference and whatever organisms they're going to create who are going to own mm. the organisms and can can there be patents like till now i think there has been an understanding that you can have patents on microorganisms so basically if said you you decided today to create a microorganism you will you can have private rights over it so you can name it sid bacteria and you can own it <laughs> right? damn damn i could yeah. so legally there is nothing stopping you from patenting uh, microorganisms hmm. however with larger organisms like plants and animals legally you cannot but those are those those kind of constraints are slowly going to blur away right so can there be patentable subject matter because at the end of the day a lot of these organisms are going to be created in computers using human intelligence and if that is a criteria there can be private ownership so i guess it's a very interesting time to be a lawyer in this space because the whole point of ownership and specifically an intellectual property lawyer because you are telling me that right now there's no the lines are very blurred like who owns this stuff right so the policies are going to g- come in place because once politics gets involved then they have to figure a way out to make sure that you know s- there is some guidelines or some act that is passed that basically tells you know this is what the ownership is going to look like so i don't think it is going to be one act this is going to okay. a lot of things right hmm. so 
specifically with respect to intellectual property and patents uh, the questions will be like okay so suppose sid creates a sid bacteria <laughs> and you are the patent holder can you withhold the technology from the world and give away exclusive licenses only to a few suppose a sid bacteria is going to cure cancer and if you decide to make money out of it and only few people will have access to it even with something as big as covid where the entire world was infected africa still only has 4% of or 5% of vaccination while booster shots have been given in the uk and the us right mm. there's a huge disparity and the disparity is the problem here because once you have ownership of this information and over the living inventions that are going to come out of it there'll be a disparity in access to these resources and power yeah. will decide who will have licenses to these technologies who will be able to finally produce it which markets will have access right so mm. these are, these can be hugely disruptive ah uh, yeah exactly i think a lot of gray area there how how things are going to pan out is something we will see in the future and definitely you know i'm going to have you back on the show like i know I, i think one one other thing about benefits before i forget I'm sorry yeah. is relating to ownership of genetic resources also right mm. so now in india you will you know we have neem and turmeric and all that and if you see i think i was talking to some ayurvedic doctor and he said most of the herbs that are going into creating ayurvedic medicines like even chavanprash some of those medicines are not even available mm. because there's huge destruction of biodiversity etc but once this information gets digitized and they get stored in databases then it's up for everyone to use it so maybe the information will be protected in the us the maybe some us company will have access to that information and we will not even have a genetic resource so there yeah. has always been this concept of access and benefit sharing like if somebody is going to access genetic resources in india then whatever benefits which come out of it should be shared with the indian government or the community or whatever but this will also stop since the information is going to be digitized mm. countries will not have ownership over resources within its territories do you know what i mean it'll be like, like a global it'll be like a global thing right i mean there are communities like biobricks which which understands that there will be negative impacts of private ownership of this information so there is going to be an open innovation model and a lot of companies are collaborating to work with these open innovation models so that everybody has access to these resources there is uh, something called the biological innovation for open society which has started and you know some of these examples like have come up where they are creating possibilities for open science to happen understood so you know <laughs> this has been a very very interesting podcast and like if i had to recap this what i've taken from this episode and there's going to be a second part to it as well where we will talk about you know the indian landscape and indian policy making and what needs to happen basically so that you know india gets ahead in this race but in this episode i think what i really what caught my attention was the ability to edit dna you know we started from there you know like you told me that this technology has come where you can basically create artificial life you can create new life and we spoke about the use cases in different industries and i can easily see that bio like you know the synthetic biology is going to disrupt every industry out there because i mean there is nothing that that can be left out right i mean everything that we are doing traditionally that will change 
in the next i don't know how many years but big disruptions are coming in this space and because this is a business podcast like this is this is something that everyone should know about and we will also talk about the companies that are in this space but i think sachin you captured this very beautifully you know the use cases what is happening in specific industries you know synthetic meat glowing trees i mean it's uh, it's heavy stuff man and also talking about some of the pros and cons you know like pros is going to be that i think maybe disease is going to be history for us like every disease that's out there we will figure out a way to treat it figure out a way to edit that out and i guess you know that will lead to performance enhancements some way or the other we are going to basically increase the human experience the cons are that you know who owns this data and how are you going to decide that you know like how is the data going to flow i did not even get into the cons actually this was the pros <laughs> that we were going yeah so it's where the pros that we are looking at who owns the information is going to be important hmm. because there will be a plenty amount of pros but who will get access to the information and number 2 whatever organisms will come out of it will it be available for everyone or will it be like privately owned i think those are the two important questions when it comes to how we manage the benefits of this technology i think all these examples of different industries we mentioned about all the pros that will happen but we will need to sort of govern you know what i mean like yeah yes tomorrow there might be biofuels but is it only for us citizens or <laughs> <laughs> or tomorrow we'll have uh, synthetic saffron and indians will not be able to procure it and they will be making their kheer with saffron and we won't so it, 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 this is this is the challenge yeah it's a gray area right i mean i don't even know what to say right now because how things will pan out is anyone's guess and my my biggest concern is like the third question right what happens if someone creates a different organism which affects the human species as a whole yeah something like this mosquito can go crazy right like yeah. gene, right? i mean instead crazy. of mating with a female mosquito what if it starts biting the human humans and they i don't know they start becoming zombies <laughs> <laughs> that's a crazy idea out there but just throwing it out there Yeah man I think exhausting no even yeah, yeah. not exhausting I mean exciting I think I'm just I'm just jealous of you like you're waking up every day and I I guess you know something new is happening in this space so I want to record this can I record this can you say that <laughs> <laughs> I am jealous of you <laughs> no, like, okay okay now you can say yeah it is Why are you jealous of me sir because I mean you are waking up every day and something new is happening in in your field so it's very exciting to be sachin satya rajan right now <laughs> i'm trying to get my phd in this so that i can keep working on this for another 4 5 years but it's good i think uh, i'm i'm very comfortable with the podcast process and the style and everything i i, I think i really like how you give like very accessible examples and you try to like make a make it very like simple you know it's it's good Thanks, and you make it funny also in a little bit <laughs> <laughs> i mean the scope of humor in synthetic biology is i i had like 10 15 ideas i just held myself back actually ha ah, like these oh. glowing plants can be like avatar yeah. right and you know, <laughs> things like that you can think of so many pop culture examples yeah a shit lot of things you know oh i want to i want to hear your joke i, <laughs> I mean like... we have the second part coming up so more more jokes coming in that one but 
Sachin, it was a pleasure to have you, and we will record the second part maybe you know tomorrow, day after tomorrow. But man, I I really enjoyed this session with you, and uh, you know let's let's stay in touch and see how it goes. Okay.